1: Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place for you to experience a grace that heals. I'm Joel Grote.
2: And I'm Lynn Wilder. And we're excited to talk to this couple
1: Absolutely.
2: Stefan and Sarah Dennis. You know, both of us being in ministry, helping folks um, kind of rethink their lives after performance-based religion.
1: Yeah.
2: One of the issues that folks really struggle with is relationships, right?
1: Yes. Especially within marriages.
2: Especially within marriages. And that's what we want to talk about today. Can we do this? You know, one of the most profound things someone ever said to me recently was, you know, if I'd had someone to help me in those early stages, like you do with other people, I might still have my marriage together.
1: Wow. Okay. That's
2: huge.
3: We definitely want that. So
2: So let's let the couple introduce themselves. Yes.
3: Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, My name is Stefan Dennis. Uh, I have been with the Adams Road Ministry for uh, communications for the last 10 years, almost 10 years since uh, March of 2009. Cool.
4: And I'm his wife Sarah.
1: Okay,
2: (laughs) so... We met early on because we ended up on a Sean McCraney (laughs) <laughs> oh, did you? You yeah. and Sarah together. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, Show. the three of us. All right. Yeah. In nine, yeah. yeah. This brings okay. back memories. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of where it started, right?
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> okay. It is.
1: So I guess um, just give us and our audience some of your background. We love people's spiritual, religious history. So just give us a little bit of your backstory about who you were and what you were.
3: Okay. Uh, So I'll start. Um, I grew up in actually a really good LDS family. You know, we didn't want for anything Uh, My parents took good care of us. We had a very happy life Uh, you know, typical suburban Mormon family, okay, Um, and You know, they were they were very active in the LDS Church. We all were Um, uh, Growing up, you know, we attended church every week. We had all the the normal things that I guess an LDS family would have. You know, we went to the scout camps, you know, my parents had callings. And uh, I turned 19 and I got called to serve in the Orlando, Florida mission. Okay. uh, Which, that was in 2001. So that was from 2001 until 2003. Uh, Came home from that, uh, which I was feeling really successful at and had a, a great time and I learned a lot about the LDS church. Um, You know, but back then it was all positive. Um, You know, I just, I was really into the doctrine of the church, uh, you know, the teachings, and and I didn't see any problems at that stage in my life.
1: And Um, your mission experience was a good mission experience as a missionary?
3: It was a very good mission experience. Um, You know, it was... Uh, you know, we, my companions and I, we converted a number of people to the Mormon church, um, you know, baptized them into the religion and all of that. And um, it was very positive to me. I mean, I learned a lot, I grew a lot. Um, I really came out of my sort of shy shell that a lot of people do at that age, you know, to where I could just talk to anybody. And because you have to, you know, you're going door to door trying to bring people into the Mormon church. So, um, came home from that. Um, and so I did what uh, most young people do at that age. I got a job, I uh, did school part-time, and I was looking for a wife. <laughs> Absolutely. I was going to say, as an RM, I uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's I dated a lot, you know, just because they want you to move on to your life and, and be successful and, you know, have an eternal family. That's the whole goal. So I didn't waste any time there, though. It took me a couple of years before I found Sarah. And so basically, you know, I was... Uh, still active in the church, of course. Um, I went to a, what they call a singles ward, which is for young single adults. And uh, Is that where you met, Sarah? Well, we met at an institute uh, council activity. activity. So they have these activities for young single adults, um, and it was a sort of a dance or a luau or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> There's stuff. And so, Sarah, what's happening with you in the meantime? So give us kind of a quick rundown on Same kind of
4: thing. I was born into an active Mormon home. We did everything. You know, we, we were very active, very okay. into it. Um, my, um, I would say maybe around 13 or 14, God showed me my sinful nature. Okay. Um, he showed me that I was a very proud person very proud and maybe i didn't show it on the outside but that's definitely what was in my heart and so because i didn't know any better i'm thinking well i'm just going to live my religion do everything that i can do to make myself a better person sure the ironic thing is that just that made everything worse because you know all of a sudden you know i'm doing all these things i'm now I'm so good, I'm so righteous, there's nothing wrong with me. So it, it was just a vicious cycle of, I don't like this about myself, I'm going to try to change it, I'm doing what I can, but it's making me even more proud and more, you know, so it just didn't work. Right. So anyway, um, you know, went through all my teen years, college years like that, and then came to the point where we met.
1: Okay. So so when you guys meet, you're both committed, faithful, mm-hmm. happy LDS people. Yep. Okay. Yep. And obviously something changed that because now you're not. <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> okay. So, okay, so who did it start with? You or Stefan? It so, so you got with married. Mm-hmm. Um, married in the temple? We were I'm married assuming, in the temple. Since you're mm-hmm. both faithful?
3: Okay. Yep. Yeah, so we were married in the the Timpanogos Temple in uh, what is that Utah Valley, and um, so we we were extremely faithful to the point where we were going to the temple weekly as Mormons at least you know, sometimes yeah. twice a week. Yeah, sometimes I mean, twice we were, a week. We were, we were trying
4: very hard to be you know, the best we
3: could yeah, be. Yeah, reading yep. our scriptures every day as a couple. So, uh, you know, a year comes along and uh, Sarah's pregnant with her first son Noah and. I kind of make a, a rededicated... We were already pretty faithful, but I, you know, when a kid comes into the picture, when a child um, starts to make its way into your family, you start to have that feeling of responsibility come in all of a sudden, right? Because yes. it's not just you you're taking care of or your wife. You know, we were a team. Um, but I rededicated myself in the sense of I wanted to be the best priesthood Holding father that I possibly could in the Mormon Church. Yep. Um, so I went out and I bought a new set of Mormon scriptures. You know, dedicated to read them all over again. And as I really dived into mm. uh, not only the LDS scriptures, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants. Um, But also the Bible, and see, I had read the Bible on my Mormon mission because I was in Orlando, Florida, which is kind of the Bible Belt South. Oh, yeah. There's no (laughs) way that I could bring anybody to the Mormon Church without understanding what most of the people knew already, which was the Bible. Because how are you going to relate to people's experience with Jesus unless you have sort of a background in what the Bible has to say on the subject. Um, But we were actually trained in the MTC because we went to a Deep South mission. Um, They had a a class in the Missionary Training Center on how to talk to born-again Christians and they encouraged us to read the Bible, but in the, the context of, okay, well, this is what they believe and this is, you know, what the true Mormon gospel is, you know, the restored kingdom, and so this is what you need to tell people.
1: Wait, so that's fascinating. So there's actually a class on how to talk to born again Christians. There was ta- If for you're going to be yes. in a Bible
3: belt area, <clears throat> and I'm assuming now, I don't know who they have that class for anymore. I just know that I had it. Right. Um, and it was, um, it was actually very enlightening to me because I knew nothing about what Christians believed. So they actually trained us using that class on how to talk to born again Christians hmm. okay. and how to use the Bible to kind of uh navigate your way through a conversation on what you know their idea of grace is versus our idea of grace etc ours being you know the mormon church so um jumping forward again so i had read the bible already but getting you know deeper into my commitment of rereading all the scriptures um i had this sudden awareness that I was not worthy wow. that regardless okay. of me trying to be the absolute best mm. mormon that I could be um, you know and of course you know I knew that I wasn't perfect it's like we all have these these young egotistical selves that are trying to make our way in the world <laughs> <laughs> They call you know, the '20s the decade of dreams, right? right. Exactly. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> the third day, '30s is the decade of reality. The, after it, disillusioned, after often all yeah, the financial yeah. mistakes. <laughs> 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 but uh, so no, so um, I remember very clearly as I was going through this process that I was not worthy, and it kind of, it, it was like, it was a seed in my mind that kept growing and it kept bothering me, and mm. I, as much as I tried to ignore it. As much as I try to say, well, no, you know, I'm paying my tithing, we're going to church, you know, we're doing all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Something bothered me about the fact that I knew on the inside I wasn't worthy because all of a sudden with this awareness, there was a division between the spirit and the flesh, who I was on the outside versus who I was on the inside. Mm-hmm. And I never had that awareness before
0: mm-hmm.
3: because to me, righteousness was purely an outside manifestation, right? Mm-hmm. Because... Okay. Um, if you're doing all the right things, if you're paying tithing, you know, because uh, in the Mormon church, um, they teach that uh, the whole purpose that we're here on earth is so that God can, um, that we can prove herewith. I don't remember the scripture reference. You might know it. But we can prove herewith. You know, that we will do whatever the Lord has commanded us to do. So, so we can put that in the show notes. That's what we have show notes. So, if we come across
1: a reference, (laughs) we'll put a a reference or a link to that so people can see where it is. Because I don't remember it offhand
3: either. Yeah. So, uh, I believe it's in the um, Pearl of Great Price. But at any rate, so this awareness came to me pretty strong. And um, I tried to ignore it for the longest time, but it eventually reached. A boiling point. After I heard about the missionaries from the Orlando, Florida mission who created a new ministry called Adams Road, they had left the church, and I knew some of them. I, I uh, uh, Steve K, who used to belong to Adams Road, I served around him quite a bit on my mission, um, and then uh, I knew Jay in Adams Road. He was a new convert when I was in Orlando. Uh, he was part of Adams Road for a time. Okay. So. Um, so, you're saying, so you heard about these former Mormon missionaries yes, absolutely Who
1: when, had left the church, started a ministry And they had been in the same mission you'd served in, in Orlando mm-hmm. Yes,
3: they had been And see, word like that in the Mormon church travels fast Even though they say it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> You know, oh, Even though almost. they say they don't talk <laughs> about things like this maybe uh, it does, you know, because all of, the, all of the missionaries who had already served, you know, they're, they're all friends with everybody else. And, you know, you keep in touch with your missionary mates after your mission. And, you know, I even hung out with a, a few of my companions that were from Utah after my mission. And so word traveled fast. And um, so eventually I just got to the point where um, I wanted to know what they believed because I knew that... I was not feeling worthy like I should if I was a good standing member of the Mormon Church. Right. And and I, I remember hearing this voice in my head very clearly say, you know, you think you're worthy of me, but you're not. And wow. that really, Ooh, really got to me. That had to be a little chills. bit unsettling. <laughs> yeah. because, okay. because I was thinking about, um, about you know, doing good works in the Mormon Church and how I can be better. And I, I clearly remember the drive home from work one day thinking about, this, and that same day, um, I called the uh, guys from Adams Road that I knew because I want just wanted to know what they believed. Right, so.
1: Uh oh. Okay, now, have you voiced any of this to Sarah? Any no. of these misgivings? Any of this? I man, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm not sure I'm worthy. So this is all just an internal struggle.
3: It is yes.
1: Because. As we know from performance-based mm-hmm. religion, what's really important is maintaining appearances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. don't let your guard down. You don't be vulnerable. You don't be authentic, at least about the right. stuff that's troubling.
2: Right. Yeah. Anything you might be struggling right. with or weaknesses. Okay, or... so at this point Sarah's mm-hmm. clueless. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So you talk to the Adam. So you get a hold of them? Yeah, I up. just
3: I called them up. I had a couple of their phone numbers. Um, so right off the bat they actually addressed something that was already on my mind which was that you've got to divide the spirit from the flesh. okay so essentially you know you, you try and you know doing dressing up the outside putting on a white shirt and tie doing these works um, actually does not do anything for your spirit it doesn't save you in a spiritual context so they, they tried to approach the gospel um, at first by telling me that there is a difference that basically Christ was a spiritual, um, salvation. He represented the spiritual because he was making the transition during his ministry of, um, you know, you, for example, he said, you know, you have heard that it, um, has been said that if you commit adultery, um, uh, you're not worthy of me or you break the commandment. But I tell you that if you even look on a woman you have committed adultery already, which is an internal spiritual sin right. rather mm-hmm. than just the physical side yeah. of it, because it's, You know, Christ represented who you really are spiritually and inside versus what you do. And there's a difference that that because God sees everything, because he knows everything, um, Mm. it's what is um, on the inside more than what's on the outside, because what's on the inside is true. What's on the outside can be a facade, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, at that point, I'm thinking, okay, well, I really am not worthy. And I'm really, you know, how can this be? You know, I'm doomed. You know, the Mormon church, essentially, all of the sudden, I comprehended in a moment when they told me this, that the Mormon church cannot be true. And the reason it cannot be true is because nothing that you do on the outside, nothing you do in a performance-based religion, has any spiritual truth to it. Because the spiritual reality, which Mm -hmm. is Christ and what he did, um, and the spiritual reality of who you are relative to God is not found in a performance-based religion. Yes. And it is not, there is no way that you can be worthy in a performance-based religion because um, because of Christ and because of the reality of who we are on the inside versus who we are on the outside. So, um, so that, that's kind of, I, I mean... I'm just going back to thinking about what was going through my mind during this time and trying to sum that up. But essentially, I realized because of that, in, in my very simple kind of almost ignorant understanding of everything that the Mormon church cannot be true, um, you know, how can I be saved? How right. can? What's the solution? You know, there has to be a solution to, to the fact that, okay, well, I'm not worthy but what do I do? You know, right. so what's Man, true? And all
1: the stuff I'm doing is never going to make me worthy. Exactly. All th- I can be the best I can be, and it will never be enough to make me worthy. You're
4: still the exactly. same person on the inside. inside.
1: Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. So,
3: so they, they, you know, after they, they kind of had this intro and all this was going through my mind, you got to remember, this was probably like an hour long conversation. Mm-hmm, right. Um, so they just shared the simple gospel with me, which is that um, Jesus is enough. He saves and there's essentially nothing you can do to work for eternal life. Jesus already performed the work and that faith in Him alone, faith in what He did alone on the cross is the only way to be forgiven and made right with God so Mm -hmm. that you can enter heaven because as unworthy beings um, that worthiness has to be imputed from somebody that was perfect. And that just made total sense to me because that had, that was a reflection of everything that had been on my mind um, and the whole idea of imputed righteousness that, that a substitute who Christ obviously was. I mean, right. because in, in my LDS way of thinking my whole life, I grew up as thinking he was an example, right? Yes. But mm-hmm. the idea of a substitute who imputed his righteousness was nothing that I really comprehended. I might have heard about it or read about it, of course, Mm. but of course um, the idea of Christ as an example, which you can take him as an example, but that doesn't benefit you from from a salvation standpoint, but the idea of imputed righteousness and a a substitute um, was essentially the only way that I could see that it would work because um, there's nothing, since there's nothing that you can do to change who you are inside, then that righteousness has to be imputed to you. And that, yeah. you know, wow. that, the, that the substitute <laughs> does not reconcile with the idea of an example.
1: Right. Because an example is saying, here's the standard you need to follow. You need mm-hmm. to be like this. And to the degree you're like this, you're successful. Mm-hmm. Right. But Jesus is perfect. right? So we
2: puts the onus on your shoulders.
1: And the more you are honest with yourself, the more you realize, well, you know, if Jesus is my example, I'll never make it because I can never, I need what he has. Mm -hmm. And so, so what I'm hearing you saying is then what imputed righteousness says is, yeah, Jesus is your substitute. He does for you what you couldn't do for yourself so that he out of love can give that to you so now you do have it. Mm-hmm.
3: Yes. Exactly. And that's very
1: different than trying to live up to a standard that you could never
3: reach. Right, exactly. And Wow, that Je- is Yeah, Jesus commands us to be perfect. So logically, the only way that's going to happen for us imperfect beings is for that righteousness, that perfection to be imputed to us, Mm. you know, and that can only happen through faith. We are justified by faith alone. And
1: imputed is one of these theological terms that you don't hear a lot. And so just for our listening, the idea of imputation is you have something that somebody else has credited to your account. In mm-hmm. fact, I think there's one of the translations where it talks about Abraham. Mm-hmm. It says he believed God and it was credited to him. It was imputed to him mm-hmm. for righteousness. Mm-hmm. So Abraham's righteousness comes again from trusting what somebody
3: else said, nothing he did. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It was a faith. Right. Thing. And everybody from the time of Abraham forward, they were always justified by faith. In right. and, and the word of God that it was, that was distributed at that time. So Um, So nobody was ever justified, and nobody was ever imputed righteousness apart from faith.
1: Okay, so again, I'm going to say, where's Sarah? Does she even know you've talked to the Adams Road guys? Um, No, no. I did not know that. (laughs) But, Uh, so, I'm...
4: I'm seeing changes in him. I
1: was going to say, is any of this showing up? I mean, yes. you're his wife. You know him better than anybody.
4: <laughs> yeah, I would come home from work or something and see him sitting there reading the Bible. And I'm thinking, that's weird. We don't do that. <laughs>
2: but well, not that we don't ever do that. Right, but,
4: yeah. but I mean, Mormons, it's just not, you know, we read the, you read the Book of Mormon, you read the doctrine, you know, you mm-hmm. just don't read the Bible. I'm like, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But I didn't okay. say anything about it. All right. Um, but then he, you know, he was then posing different questions to me and I, I can't remember, you know, so it, it gave me the impression that he was doubting his faith. Um, he had made appointments with his bishop, with our bishop and state president. What He was trying to get his questions answered. Okay. And you know, asking different friends, trying, you know, nothing. Trying
1: to sort this out. Yeah.
4: So I knew this was going on. And so it created in me like my husband, my priesthood holder, my, you know, my everything is struggling with his faith, which to us as Mormons is it's everything. So
1: right. And and anything that's doubt oriented or uncertainty, is potentially the first step toward apostasy. Right. So that's just
4: so then I'm afraid for him. Very scary. Which in turn, then I'm afraid for myself. And, you know, because in Mormonism, because in Mormonism, a woman cannot be what Christians, we call it saved. Mormons call it exaltation, whatever. Um, Living with God again after this world women can't do that without being sealed to a worthy priesthood holder in the temple. So now if he is apostatizing, my salvation is at stake.
1: Yes, because you are tied to his faithfulness and his ability. So Stefan, so all this is going on, at what point do you turn the corner? At what point do you get the imputed righteousness? How and when did that happen?
3: I think it happened when I decided that I can't pretend to be a Mormon anymore, that I just needed to, to trust in Jesus. And it was a short time after that that I confessed to Sarah that I didn't believe in the Mormon church anymore, and that I knew that I could lose her as my wife. In fact, I had kind of expected it, not because of my lack of confidence in her, but because, you know, as a good, faithful, LDS woman, that is essentially what you should do because you your salvation is more important than your marriage, and right. that is how Mormons approach the subject.
1: And you're a strong, faithful Mormon man, so you know the system very well. Oh, extremely, You know yeah. how it works, you know the expectations, I, yeah. so. Yeah.
3: I knew, yeah, and uh, I, I maintain no illusions about that, so.
1: Okay. Well, we are like almost out of time, and we haven't even gotten to Sarah's side of the story, so. What we're going to do is there's going to be uh, Stefan and Sarah part two.
3: Okay.
1: Um, And sorry, people, that we're going to kind of cut it off in the middle of the story, but uh, we've got like a very limited, we've got a very um, focused time frame. So you're going to have to join us for part two, and we're going to hear the rest of your story and then we're gonna hear what's going on with Sarah because we know that she's having, I mean she's realizing something's happening.
2: And this should be important for folks who are in a performance-based marriage and one of those folks begins to question where they are and then all of a sudden you're rethinking your marriage and um, Do I share with my partner? Do I not share with my partner what might happen in my marriage? And is Jesus enough for that?
1: So obviously the story has a happy ending because they're here talking to us. (laughs) So join us next time. And again, thanks for being a part of Unveiling Grace podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. We hope you'll join us next time for another conversation devoted to taking your life and relationships to another level of healing. You may connect with us and leave your questions, comments, plus find the show notes at unveilinggracepodcast.com. That's unveilinggracepodcast.com, where you can experience a grace that heals.